My kids will often come to me, uh, and I'm learning this more and more during the quarantine. They'll come to me and they'll say, Dad, can I download this video game? And I'll look at it and I'll be like, well, it says 18 plus, or it says 14 plus, and that's the, what Apple says. And I'm like, well, Apple and I, we have different lines of like what's appropriate and whatnot. So no, you cannot play this game. Well, so-and-so is allowed to play this game, uh, or it'll be a YouTube channel. Dad, can I start watching this YouTube channel? Uh, no, nah, I look into it. No, nah, it doesn't really seem appropriate for you. Well, so-and-so is able to watch this, this channel, and you've said it. You, you've, you've heard it. Your parents said it to you when you were kids. Well, I'm not so-and-so's parents, and my kids will maybe fight me a little bit, but overall, my kids are pretty good, and, and they'll, they'll take me at my word, and they'll, they'll accept it. Now, now, let's flip this a little bit. What if I go to so-and-so's house? I go to so-and-so's house, and they're watching a YouTube channel. They're, watch, they're playing a game on, on their tablet. And I say to them, hey, that's not appropriate. You shouldn't be playing that. Do you think that kid is going to respect me like he, he or she respects his or her parents? Probably not. It's a hard enough conversation for a parent to have with a child. But if I, an outside parent, come into the situation and say, you should or should not do something, I, because I don't have the relationship, am not able to then have the influence. How do you and I view Jesus? Do we view Jesus like somebody else's parent or like our heavenly father? How you view Jesus impacts your level of respect, and then therefore, it impacts your level of respect, and then it impacts how you then live for Jesus. If you see Jesus as a genie type, that will guide you in how you view him as Jesus, as, as Messiah, and then that will guide how you live for him. If you view him as this military conquering type, well, that's what brought on the crusades. That will impact how you view him, and that will impact how you live for him. But if you view him as a suffering servant, it will guide how you live for him and how you view him. This morning, I want us to see that Jesus is truly Lord and Messiah. But I want us to see how he got there. I want us to understand the journey to, that, he, that took him to that place. So let me ask you this question. Right now, in your life, if people could only judge you by your actions, how would they answer this question? How do, what does Jason make of Jesus? Insert your own name. What do you make of Jesus? Here's where we pick up in the Gospel Luke as we look at this, this series that we've entitled The New Normal, looking at a variety of different passages that I think influence and speak into how we should be living as Christians, and this directly applies to the new normal that we create after this. Now, it happened that as he was praying alone, a constant practice of Jesus, the disciples were with him, and, they, and he asked them, who do the crowds, specifically the crowds, say that I am? Jesus asks an open-ended, a vulnerable question. What is the word on the street? 
It's it's an intelligent question to ask the disciples because the chatter about Jesus isn't going to come directly to Jesus. If I want to know what people are saying about me, I shouldn't pay attention to what they're saying to me. I should ask the people around me because that's often where the chatter is going to happen. And they answered, well, John the Baptist, but others say Elijah. And others say that one of the prophets of old that has risen. The disciples, they, they respond to, to this like they, like they just listed the responses of a, of a public poll. You know, those are coming. It's, it's a political season. You're going to get phone calls. What do you, what do you think of, eh, what do you think of, eh, what do you think of this position? What, like, those are fun, and they're coming. So this is kind of like this public poll. Like, what's the word on the street? And it's no coincidence that Luke has this positioned in his gospel after the feeding of the 5,000 that we looked at last week. After such an incredible act, here's a very appropriate question. What are we to make of this man, Jesus? And the response the disciples give is very similar to what Herod said a few chapters earlier that we have looked at. A prophet. Elijah, John the Baptist. Even those who don't fully follow Jesus closely would agree. You, you, can, have, you can have a very distant relationship with Jesus, and you would agree he is someone special. But from that place where I think humanity could look at Jesus and say something special, we then conjure up theory. And there's only a few that would have thought in that moment that Jesus is Messiah. All of this ministry, all that is going on, and the best that they can do is, well, he must be a prophet. That's the review. That's what is is being said of Jesus. See, reviews speaking, we're, we kind of live in a review age. Like if you want to go visit some place, uh, you read the reviews first. If you want to go travel to the well, uh, you read the reviews. And they're pretty good. You should go check it out. Uh, if you want to come to a church, you read the reviews. I know people that came to our church because they were like, man, you have review after review, and they're, and they're all five stars. And then we did this series called Raised Catholic. And we went from a five-star review to a 4.7 review because people started reviewing our fish, the fish that we serve at our church, because that makes logical sense. A whole bunch of people started bashing our church all before we even started the series. When Graham and I were looking, we, we had like this, this PR 24 hours of like a PR nightmare where Graham was like, like basically blocking uh, every country on planet Earth minus like the space right around Tom's River. Uh, that's what we got to. We had a PR nightmare. <laughs> and, and, but one of the reviews that came in before we could start blocking everybody uh, was, was the review that you'll see up on the screen. It's, it's this gentleman, this really nice guy, that, that made a point to give us a do not recommend. Why? Because in his opinion, we are saved by works. We are saved by doing, 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 doing for Jesus. And as Graham and I would text, then we, then we called him one night, we, we looked at this review and we said, actually, although he's giving us a one-star review, this is a great review because we're going to respond and say, that is nonsense. 
we understand the context of the passage that this man is quoting. But we also understand in the scope of Scripture, we are saved by faith. And works are a proof of a living faith in somebody. So we looked at that review and we said, you know what? If you want to live your life like that, we are not the church for you. <laughs> Reviews inform us. What is the review on your life? If people were to make a review of your life, what would, what would the review have been before the pandemic? What would the reviews be during the pandemic? As you figure out what this new normal is going to look like, here's a question that you and I should be asking of ourselves. What is the review we want written of us when we pass from this earth? You have a chance now to redo a whole lot that has been undone and should be redone. What do you want the reviews to say of your life? Do you want to live as if Jesus is a prophet or your savior? The reviews will speak of what, how you answer that question. So here's, here's what they say. And he said to them, after they've, after they've answered like the word on the street, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? The you here is emphatic. The you here is plural. You, disciples, what do you say? I understand all the chatter, but what about you? What say you? And Peter answered, the Christ of God. Jesus is almost asking this question. Disciples, that's the word on the street. But do you see me differently? You ask your buddies, what do you think of Jesus? Historical figure. You ask your buddies, what do you think of Jesus? And they say, nice guy, strong teachings. But I ask you, do you see him differently? And Peter answers the question with the perfect answer. You are the Christ of God. He knows that Jesus is more than a prophet. He knows that Jesus is not a mere agent of God. He knows that he is the promised one sent and delivered by God. He sees Jesus as unique. For centuries, the Jewish people have been waiting the Messiah, the coming of the Messiah, a special king, the ultimate Messiah. This is promised by the prophets throughout the scriptures that there is, there is one coming to save us from our sins. Where you won't have to sacrifice animal after animal after animal. It will be a once and for all sacrifice. Why John the Baptist said, behold the Lamb of God. But over time, they started thinking that a Messiah is coming. That would restore Israel to the days of David, Solomon, political hierarchy. Supplant the Romans, and lift up Israel. The problem with what Peter said is just because you know something doesn't mean that you can fully develop it or explain it. Because the question that was just asked of him is a very similar question to what will be asked of him when Jesus is on trial and he will deny knowing Jesus three times. So just because you know something doesn't necessarily mean you're confident of it or that you can articulate it. I know E equals MC squared. I can't tell you a darn thing about that equation. I can Google it. 
And I might be able to explain a little bit about E equals MC squared, but even after Googling it, I'm going to be even more confused. Peter knows the truth, but it doesn't mean that he can truly articulate it. Because he, and like many Jews, have lost sight of the true Messiah and what glory for Israel will truly look like. They lost sight of a Messiah who would sacrifice to make this better or eternity better. Messiah that would sacrifice for a better eternity. Check out what Jessica has to say about the Messiah. Hi, Wellspring Church. So I want to share that one morning I was driving to work. I was praying for my best friend. I was praying that God would somehow reveal himself to her and uh, that she would surrender to him. When I get to work, I say good morning, and she shares with me that she's going to read a book called A Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren with some other women. And right there, I was just in awe, um, filled with emotion, because God is so awesome, and how timely is he? But then she invites me to take the um the journey with her and i did and i want to say that within those 42 days sharing that experience with her seeing her growth um i then realized that god used her to reveal himself to me and i want to say that the book has truly revealed to me what it takes to have a strong relationship with christ it has revealed to me that every day is a new day. Every day is a day that we must die to ourselves, surrender to him, and allow him to really take the wheel in our lives, really just take a hold of our thoughts. And, and this way we can have the ability to know what we need to do to move forward and, and grow in Christ. Um, on February 2nd, I decided to visit Wellspring Church. And I want to say it has been the best decision that I've ever made. For years, I thought I could do it alone, but um, you can't. You need to be surrounded by believers. You need to be surrounded with love and encouragement. And I want to say that I've experienced all that in Wellspring. I've joined a life group and every, every week I find myself growing. Every week I see these relationships building stronger and stronger and I'm really grateful I am so grateful to Wellspring Church the leaders um, everything that you stand for I'm grateful that God led me to Wellspring and um, my children love it and it's exciting it's exciting to know that I'm finally where I've always desired to be I just just never allowed God to really take the wheel and, and take control. And now that he has, I just want to say that it's impacted my life tremendously. And I'm excited. I'm excited to continue this journey on with my new church family. Well, Jessica, thank you for sharing that story. It's been awesome to get to know you and your love for Jesus Christ. Jessica just shared a lot of things. If someone were to ask her what she makes of Jesus, she, she intertwined that into, into her testimony. How would you answer that question? What do you make of Jesus? Today, many religions 
put Jesus in their hall of faith. He's one of the, the great people, the religious people. Other religions recognize Jesus. But to be a Christian is to understand that Jesus is unique. To understand that there is no one else like him. To understand that he is part of the plan of God. To recognize Jesus as the one true, only son of God. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one gets to the Father but through me, Jesus. You can't put him among the Buddhas, the Muhammads. It is Jesus or it is nothing. So responding to Jesus as such is critical. There is no other person on planet Earth like him. And this is a question, what do you make of Jesus, that must be settled by every single person, every race, every social economic class, every man, woman, and child, every single person with breath must answer this question. What do you make of Jesus? You might be able to temporarily escape answering that question here on earth but you won't be able to escape it forever. And an answer of what do you make of Jesus, anything short of he is everything, isn't enough. This confession itself can, be mis can lead to misunderstanding. Peter can say you are the Christ of God, but Jesus moves to a place where, I, okay, good, Great starting point, but let me clarify what this means. More learning is needed to help us understand the road ahead. So here's what Jesus says, and he strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, the Son of Man must. Now we're going to pause there. He must do what? In, in, the, in the disciples' minds, they're probably clinging on his words, saying, oh, something good. He must, he must take over the Romans. He must establish an earthly throne. Oh, here's what, what is going to be necessary of Christ the God. What's the absolute thing that the, that the Messiah must do? And he says, suffer. Suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes. You mean the people, Jesus, that you're fighting? That you're speaking hard against? They're going to supplant you? They're going to put you down? And what? And be killed? You're going to die at their hands? Jesus, that sounds a whole lot like losing. But here's winning. <laughs> and on the third day, be raised. See, Peter knew the starting point, but, but Christ had to explain and deepen his, his understanding. Christ, a knowledge of Christ is inexhaustible. We can never fully understand all that there is to understand of Christ, but we can understand the starting point. There is always more to learn, more to grasp about the beauty and the image and the character of God through Jesus. But we can know him. It's a promise that we can know him as the son of God that died and sacrificed for our sins. That's a truth made known and available to every man, woman, and child on planet Earth. And so he shares the claim that Jesus is the Messiah. 
but not in a way that would serve their agenda well. And so if, 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 if what their understanding of Jesus as Messiah is, if they think that he, that he is some military ruler, Jesus wants to say, no, 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 no. You have to fully understand why. Because if you go out and claim Christ the God, but with a bad understanding, here's what's going to happen. The zealots, they're, they're, they're going to want to revolt. They're itching to revolt. They're itching to go to Rome and take over Rome. So if they see the Messiah as someone who's going to overthrow Rome, that's bad news. That's going to hurt the mission. He didn't want the, he didn't want the multitudes to see him in a way that, that he really wasn't. Why? Because he had a radically different plan. He wasn't trying to go to the tops of the, the, the political hierarchy. And so he asked, no, keep this quiet, but deepen your understanding. A time will come where you will fully understand and go into all the earth, proclaiming the name of Jesus, because then you fully understand. What does it mean that Christ is the Messiah? What understanding does he bring to their lives that he is the Christ? He is the anointed one. The understanding is that he will die for sin, but he will rise. And he will rescue mankind from the judgment of God over our sins. Why does he do this? He does this so that you and I would not taste spiritual death, but we would live with God as forgiven humans, forgiven beings. And that the righteousness of, of God through Jesus Christ, the righteousness of Jesus would be ours that we would be adopted into his family. God wants you in his family. Isaiah says, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He was to put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days, and he, uh, the will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. It was the will of the Lord to, uh, the will of the Lord to do what? Crush the son. Why? as an offering for you and I. And the disciples had a misguided view of Christ. And this is where Jesus is correcting their view. He, he's correcting their agenda. They're, he's, 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 he's moving them in a different direction. He's saying, your, your view of me is incomplete, but you're heading in the right direction. Because in their mind, Jesus... It looks like you're a part of the winning circle. Jesus, all the miracles. You're silencing critics with your, with your incredible, flawless logic. You're healing. You're casting out demons. Jesus, it looks like you are winning. So why not? Why not keep winning? Just when things are starting to look good, just when things are starting to look hopeful, Jesus announces that he, their one and only leader, will soon die at the hands of the people, giving him the hardest time. We value an all-inclusive gospel message. Everything I am saying is for you. It's for me. It's for the person next to you. It's for your family member. It's for pot smoking Joe. It's for your uncle that you think will never get clean. It's for your dad that you haven't spoken to in 45 years. We believe in an all-inclusive gospel message where Jesus is for all. Can you think of a sin that Jesus didn't die for? We can't. And so he's for all. And 
I've never ever thought that I would have to apply this value to something that isn't sinful. Race. Tuesday, I woke up rattled. I went to a meeting Monday night, and basically on my way to a meeting, we get wind of protests, and there's all sorts of rumors floating around. And so very quickly, we had to decide, how are we going to respond to what is literally going to walk right by the well and come right outside our doors? And in, in my head, I was like, you know what? We need to be a part of this. Because putting someone down and lifting somebody else up, degrading life in general, in, in, like that is never of the gospel. To, to value one life over another is not of the gospel. The gospel that says, your life is valuable. Here, I want to give you my son. And so we, we I woke up, and I'll be honest, I was scared. I'm a white man going, going to a, a protest, and I've, I've seen the media. Right, wrong, or indifferent, I walked in scared. And it hit me like, there are too many people in our country of a different skin color walking into certain areas scared. My reality for one day is their reality every day. I go to this, I go to this protest, and, and, and my message was, I, I don't have the answers, but I know to love my neighbor. I know to pray for people. And so we, we closed the well down and we said, we're just going to give out free coffee to police officers, to anybody there that was lying in the streets, to anybody there that was marching. We're just going to give out free coffee. We, we bought a whole bunch of water and we gave out water. It's the wellspring way of doing things. We don't have the answers, but we know to love people. So, so here's our love. And we hope that our love points you to Jesus. And so there it was. I, I saw coming down the street. White and black cops at the head of the line with black and white protesters with a message that the lives of our black brothers and sisters matter. Unified. It, it, how could it not bring me to tears? And, and, and so, so I stand there. I don't say a word. I have no words to say. And so I just stand out there with open hands. Here's some bottles of water. The only kindness I know to show in that moment. And then, and then Jordan and I and, and Zach Bechtel, we, we follow the crowd and we go to the courthouse. And at the courthouse, I had to weep. Empathy kind of came over me in a way that I have never experienced to hear my black brothers and sisters yell out, hands up, don't shoot, a reality for many of them. To hear one of the activists say, and this hit me so hard. If you want to scream, all lives matter, guess what? Black lives are included in that. His point was, for all lives to matter, black lives must matter. The gospel says yes to that. And I wept. Because here in their misunderstanding of the gospel, where they're looking to raise Jesus up to political power, 
And Jesus is saying, no, I must die. You want to raise me over and above the Romans? I'm dying for the Romans. I'm dying for you. I'm dying for the Samaritans. I'm dying for every man, woman, and child on planet Earth and that will ever come on planet Earth. Jesus, the most privileged person ever to walk planet Earth, did not hold his privilege up over another, but he gave his life to serve another. I have privilege. Whether I want to admit it or not, I have to embrace that. I'm, I, I don't necessarily apologize for it. I, I'm not trying to, to give myself privilege per se, but I can acknowledge that I have privilege. But do I want to hold that over another's head? Or from a place of privilege, do I, like my Savior, want to lower myself to lift somebody up? The gospel screams for that. Jesus didn't talk about love. He lived love. He was love. Before glory came suffering. Before blessing, the road to blessing came through suffering. The road to blessing wasn't a path of prosperity. The road to blessing came by sacrificing, giving his life, being beaten. It came at a great cost. It came at pain. And guess what? The followers of Jesus will walk a very similar path. And so if you've never said yes to this Jesus, this is my Jesus who died for you, giving up his privilege for you. So I'm going to take a moment and I'm going to ask if you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ, would you do so right here and now? You're in your living room. You might even be in your undies. It doesn't matter. Would you pray right now, acknowledging that Jesus Christ died for your sins and in him you have forgiveness of sins and the wrath of God was satisfied in the person of Jesus and if you say yes to relationship with Jesus, we're going to mail you one of these Bibles and, and reading plans to help get you started on this journey. There will be a link down below. But before I finish off here, let me, let me pray. And you can say something like I'm going to pray. If you want to say yes to relationship with Jesus, simply pray something like this. Lord, I don't fully understand why it would be your will to crush Jesus on my behalf but I acknowledge it today. I confess that I am a sinner. I confess that I have done wrong. I confess that I, through my actions, have, always, have not always lived a, lived a life that pleases you. God Almighty, today I accept a relationship with you through Jesus, and I Understand that through grace, through mercy, that you look at me, and now because you see Jesus, you are pleased with me. Today, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. Amen. You prayed that prayer. Please fill out one of those links, and we want to mail you this, this packet. How you see Jesus will impact how you see this world. 
How you see Jesus will, uh, will, will impact how you see yourself in this world. A misguided view of Jesus will lead to a misguided life. And so that's our big thought for this online experience is this. An understanding of the mission, the mission of Christ guides our understanding of Jesus. So who is Jesus to you? Who do you say Jesus is? Who is Jesus for you? And how do you live in light of the answers to those questions? Is your view of Jesus in line with what Scripture says about Jesus? Uh, through the pandemic or even before the pandemic, are you living a life that's disenfranchised by Jesus? Perhaps if you're disenfranchised by Jesus... This is a reality check. Did I have a proper view of Jesus? Because if you think he's a military type ruler, you're going to be disenfranchised like Judas. You'll scatter and you'll deny and you will deny him like the rest of the disciples but Jesus but you uh, but John when you're unclear of who Jesus is. This understanding will shape how you live in culture. See, I'm not trying to be shaped by culture. I'm trying to be shaped by the understanding that I have of Jesus Christ so that Jesus Christ can shape me. I want to be shaped by my king. I want to be shaped by the Lord God Almighty. And so I'm going to go into my community and not be shaped by my community. I'm going to go into my community and try to be, live differently as I understand the mission of Christ and who Christ is to, to me. We've got a different type of king. We've got a different type of kingdom. We've got a different type of way, uh, of living. That, means we don't, that doesn't mean that we go into culture and we try to act all, all, all weird, weird, but we are going to live differently within culture. We're going to, when we, when we go into culture, we're going we're to look at our, our personal preferences. Our personal preferences are going to die in the hands of our Savior. When cultural preferences, how culture lives, doesn't line up with how Jesus calls us to live, our cultural preferences are going to die in the hands of Jesus. When it's my will or Jesus' will, it will always be Jesus. Is it going to be what culture says or what Jesus says? Always Jesus. Why? Because in those hands, you'll find nail marks. For I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ in me. Christ in me changes everything. And so we're going into culture, not to be influenced by culture, but to show them the love of our king. We are citizens of a different world. Christ did not die to make you happy. Christ died to be Lord and Savior of your life. And in that, in that premise, you will find joy and happiness. So you can change your view of Jesus to make you happy, Jesus to fit your lifestyle, but you'll find out that you're going to live a pretty frustrated life. Or you can say right here and right now, Lord, change me. You are my king. And you'll find eternal joy. So my challenge this week is to memorize a verse. It's a little bit longer than he must increase, I must decrease. My challenge to you is to memorize Philippians 3, 20 through 21. I haven't memorized it yet. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. 
I want us this week to memorize this verse. Why? To remind ourselves that we are citizens of heaven, not citizens of this world. The, the cultures here are secondary subcultures to our culture that is established up in heaven. We are first and primarily citizens of heaven. Memorize this verse because Jesus is a different type of king that's building a different type of people. So we're going to close this online experience with praise the king. Praise the true king. Thank you for checking out a sermon recorded right here at Wellspring Church in Toms River. If it's your first time connecting with us, we'd love to stay connected with you. So don't forget to like and subscribe to this video. And then down in the description box below, there's ways to give online. There's our social media accounts. We'd love to stay connected with you throughout the week. We love and appreciate you, and we hope you have a fantastic week.